Insider hit this morning is brought to you by the six locations to serve you, usapawn.com and their mega, mega, mega store, I-55 South McDowell Road. Don't forget about their Vicksburg location. We have a bunch of Vicksburg listeners um, basically taking pawn shops to another level, usapawn.com. If you're in the market for a new TV uh, or a game system or a computer, usapawn.com. USA Pawn Mega 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 Store. Nick Fulton and the team will take care of you at USA Pawn's Mega Store, I 55 South McDowell Road. We are rolling on a Thursday. It's cold. It's going to rain today. That's no good. It looks like some sunshine tomorrow and Saturday, which is good, even though it's going to be cold. We will take at least a little bit of sunshine as we go into a weekend without football. You got SEC hoops and uh, the Pro Bowl which is going to be all weird and hopefully fun and cool out in Las Vegas. And they're really trying to, you know, make that different, uh, reboot it, and figure out how to entertain us. Uh, I don't think anybody will lock in, but it may be some background music, you know, for you. Kind of like college. Well, no, that's not a that's not a good example. You're more in the college game day on Saturday morning, and I get that. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN. Do we have Steve? All right, Steve Robertson, 247 Sports, Jeans Page, joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Steve, uh, not many people were focused on Jonathan Davis uh, during the recruiting process, the defensive lineman, 6'4", 6'5", around 300 pounds, and the uh, from Lawrence County. Now, that's a premium position. He was a top-10 prospect. He was number six on your site, 247 Sports. But he didn't get the buzz like Isaac Smith and Sunterine Perkins. Why didn't he? And then why did all of a sudden Bo Davis, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State get gung-ho about him over over the last couple of weeks, Steve? Well, I think a lot of it dealt with the fact that, you know, he was injured some this year and, uh, you know, wasn't a lot out there. But, uh, you know, that's the thing about Mississippi is that, you know, that there's always there's always a guy that's kind of tucked away in one of these small hamlets and, uh, you know, a town that perhaps kind of tolls with obscurity out there. And the next thing you know, things begin to blow up and you see his film and you can see he's a little bit raw, but at the same time, he's explosive. I mean, at 6'5", 300 pounds, they were lining him up and, a two a two point stance off the edge, and you know he's out there chasing the quarterback, and he moves really well for a bigger guy. But it's it's a good late get for Mississippi State, and you know there, there wasn't a lot of head to head battles this year in state between State and Ole Miss that where players decided to visit both schools. He did, and uh, I think it kind of gave a good preview of what the twenty twenty four in state recruiting cycle is going to be. I think it's going to be pretty wild, to be quite honest with you. But uh, Davis a very good get for the Bulldogs. How would you describe him as a player? Where have you been told from from the defensive staff? Have they mentioned what they think he could be in a couple of years? Where, you know, what kind of player? Maybe reference another one uh, as far as what his future could be. Jonathan Davis is in Starkville. Well, I tell you, when I watch his film, you know. He looks more natural with his hand in the ground playing on the interior, and he's kind of somewhat reminiscent of Josh Boyd a little bit out of Philadelphia. I think a similar skill set there. 
he might be a tad more athletic than Josh, but I think he's kind of in the same vein there. But uh, I do think he's a guy, obviously, with his size already in high school at you know, approximately 6'5", 300 pounds, he is going to play on the interior. And there's a good chance that he plays early. And, you know, State's going to lose several defensive linemen after the 2023 season. So I think he'd get his feet wet this year, kind of get him acclimated to the college game, and then maybe perhaps he challenges for a spot on the two deep in, in 2024. But but well, I think you'll see him on the field some this year. Okay. Steve Robertson on the Out of Bounds show. Uh if he comes, if he is Josh Boyd, that's a home run because Josh Boyd was a hell of a SEC football player for MSU. So, wouldn't you agree with that for Arnett and Matt Brock? I would, and and you know, it's not just the optics on this. I mean, sometimes these people get caught up in you know it's a state Ole Miss battle, so you always want to win. I've said before on your show that you know you could put two kids in a state and Ole Miss jersey and let them play Chinese checkers, and you could sell tickets for it. You know, no but. Doubt. Uh, you know, this, this situation, I think it was a, it was a battle that State and Ole Miss both wanted to win, and and uh, it was back and forth. You know, it's interesting. I read you know, a lot of commentary online, and people are like, oh, there was never any doubt. No, there absolutely was some doubt, and uh, you give Ole Miss a lot of credit for making this thing interesting, and I, and I give Pete Golding a lot of the credit for that because you know when he first got the offer from State and got the offer from Ole Miss, people are like, oh, he's not interested in Ole Miss. Then they get him on campus. And at the end of that visit on Thursday, it looks like that he's actually going to go to Ole Miss, and there was some talk about him potentially canceling the visit to Mississippi State. Well, obviously he did take the visit, and uh, but even on, on on Sunday, coming out of the Sunday visit, you know, State got a bit of a bump there and kind of made things, you know, I guess, even. But uh, you know, the late reports Sunday and even early on Monday was that you know the kid favored Ole Miss, and we're still figuring some things out. And once the family kind of sat down and worked through pros and cons. Ultimately, State was the was the fit, but uh, this was a very very contentious recruiting that kind of played out over ten days. And uh, you know, State ultimately wins. Of course, there's a lot of connections to Mississippi State within the family. But uh, again, I, I think you're going to see a lot more of this over the course of the next twelve months because I think it is a very good year in State for 2024, especially on the defensive line. Uh, so it's going to be a lot more kids, I believe, that'll take official visits to both State and Ole Miss, which would be good for our business because there'll be a lot of anxiety uh, during you know those final official visits in advance of the December signing period, of course, in uh, February. You damn right. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by Bulldog Burger in Startville. If you're on campus this weekend for the basketball game, hit Bulldog Burger in Startville right there on University. Steve Robertson joining us on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Um, I think so. Arnett has made more and more, you know, he's dropped all these statements and and things about focusing on Mississippi high school recruiting, which really isn't any different than you know Moorhead, Mullen, and so on. But and don't get me wrong, Ole Miss landed Sunterine Perkins, who's a freak, and Aiden Williams, and the kid from Moss Point or down in South Mississippi, and they're all really really good prospects. I think Lane and Ole Miss are going to pivot and invest a lot more time in the state during this re- recruiting cycle. We already know Arnett and them are. Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. I think, number one, it's the quality of the prospects that are available for the 2024 cycle. But I think also, too, I mean, you go look at the, some of the work that Patrick's did. I mean, going through and getting those guys in the northeastern seaboard. But, you know, it just didn't work out that way. I mean, those guys typically – there's a reason – 
they're passing through so many states to come here, and it's not just because of love of the Southeastern Conference. A lot of it's got to do with their options. And I think in the end, when you look at the the transfer portal these days, at some point, a lot of these kids are going to get homesick. And I think if you go get kids from your natural recruiting footprint, they're less likely to transfer. And, and that's, there's been a rash of that. I think Ole Miss back-to-back years has had, what, 20, 25 or so uh, guys hit the portal, and a lot of those guys are out-of-state players. And, of course, there are some guys that find out they can't play at this level, and it's best for everybody involved they get in the portal. But I do think you're going to see a pivot, and I do think that uh, you know I'm excited about this next cycle, not just because of quality of players, but I, I think you're going to have some SEC schools come into the state they're going to offer some of these kids, and it's going to make it uh, – there's be a lot more intrigue in this. And, you know, it's always good to have the good old-fashioned Magnolia State shootout, but uh, I, th- I think it's good for business, and I think it's good for the state when, you know, you've got some guys that are highly coveted. And, you know, as a result, it's funner to cover. But also, too, I think it, it shines a light on some other kids around the state that may ordinarily not have been recruited by some of these schools. And so uh, I'm excited, but I also think that um, – you know, from the state and on this side, you know, people are going to be a lot more emotionally invested in some kids that will go to the other school, and that really hadn't been the case the last couple of years. Yeah, when was the last big battle? MJ Daniels? Or am I missing one, Steve? Yeah, I that might be correct. I mean, of course, there's some, you know, you know, State tried to get in the game with Aiden Williams, and, you know, he was never truly interested in State. I mean, there was a lot of discussion that if he did, did decide to stay in State, he was going to go to Ole Miss. He ultimately did. I mean, Get Perkins, of course, committed really, really early to Ole Miss, and you know, State kind of made it interesting, but that was really more of an Ole Miss-Alabama thing. And so you just haven't had that one that, ev- that everybody's sources is telling them, hey, we're going to get this kid, and then you have that big signing day announcement and one fan base is ecstatic and the other uh, is deflated. You had a little bit of that yesterday, but you didn't have a year's worth of hype. You know what I'm saying? And right. I think you're gonna, there's going to be a bunch of that this year. There's going to be a lot of kids that maybe didn't grow up with an allegiance to uh, one of the egg bowl combatants, and they'll learn that, hey, they're, they're excited about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I think things change. And uh, I'm excited to cover it. But, you know, more importantly, I think there's some really good football players in the state of Mississippi for 2024. It was a good class this year. I don't think it was an elite class. I think 2024 has a chance to be a great year for recruiting in the state of Mississippi. And so that's the first time in, like, five or six classes? Well, you know, MJ was just, what, three classes ago? You know, and he was, you know, committed to Ole Miss and then flipped to Mississippi State. And then he was back and forth, and, you know, and then and ultimately he signs with Ole Miss and, and just didn't do much down there. And we wish him the best with Southern Miss. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not what happens on signing day, right? I mean, we always talk about that, recruiting rankings and all that stuff's important. What happens on reporting day and what happens on game day is what matters most. You know, a lot of this mm-hmm. other stuff, I mean, there have been guys at times in the past when State or Ole Miss would go sign a non-qualifier just to beat their chest. Well, it looks good in the paper the next day, but it doesn't make you a better football team. It's about identifying your needs and getting quality players that can come in and advance your interest in the program. Uh, and so I think that's really the true measure of a recruiting class is, is basically, did you get better as a team? Uh, you know, Forget the sideshow and the carnival and all that kind of stuff. And there are some people that live for that. There's some people that built a career on that. But it's really about winning football games. Steve Robertson on the Out of Bounds Show. You mentioned Pete Golding. Did David Turner – have understanding the SEC, having already been in some of the battles and in Mississippi, did he have an impact the last couple of weeks on Jonathan Davis? He absolutely did, and I tell you what's interesting. I spoke to him yesterday. We had a media opportunity, had a chance to interview all ten assistant coaches and Zach Arnett, and 
Zach absolutely crushed the press conference. But I talked to, to David Turner, and I said, "Well, you you, know, you come back and you're you know right out of the frying pan into the fire." And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, little did I know I'd be right back in the middle of Mississippi recruiting in my first couple weeks here on the job." And he goes, "Man, it's not anything I'm not used to." But you know, he said it was a good warm up right out of the gate that you know you're involved with a kid, everything seems fine, then all of a sudden, Ole Miss has pulled him back and. It's just kind of a microcosm of what happens when you have a quality player in Mississippi and, and both of the in-state SEC schools are targeting him. But there's probably nobody better equipped to deal with that than David Turner. I mean, this is a guy that won the Jeffrey Simmons battle, of course, Fletcher Cox, and Josh Boyd, many others. And not only can he recruit those guys, he can develop those guys. I mean, and of course, though, in Chris Jones. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody that has won more contentious defensive line battles with in-state prospects in the modern era than David Turner. Now he's at Mississippi State. And when you consider the quality of defensive linemen in the state for 2024, you got to feel pretty good if you're the Bulldogs because you probably got the guy that's the most skilled in getting that job done. Who could be two impact guys out of this class, whether it's high school or transfer portal, that could actually play you know, really, Labor Day weekend? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think Creed Whittemore is a guy that is really advanced. You know, for a for a prep prospect, you know, his dad's a high school coach. His dad played at Central Florida, so the pedigree and the football IQ is pretty advanced. I would not rule him out playing as a true freshman this year. I think when you begin to look, you know, the transfers, obviously you'll you'll have a chance to get those guys, you know, on, on the field as well. But I really like this young DB class. Uh, you know, we hadn't talked about Will James yet. That that's a guy right there that broke his collarbone in the first game of the season and ended up only playing I think six or seven games this year uh, and played deep into the playoffs and if had they not made the playoffs he wouldn't have had much of a senior season at all but he ends up being a late addition to the Mississippi Alabama All Star team uh, across at Alabama and I've I've had people within the industry tell me this is a guy with pro potential if he can stay healthy and work hard this is an absolute steal for Mississippi State so I, I would not be the least bit surprised see him on the field this year can he handle the physical demands of the sec as a freshman that that kind of remains to be seen but that's a guy that nobody's really talking about because of all the you know state don't miss hubris about davis but will james is a real quality late get for the bulldogs and, and he's another guy that i expect to play early in his career and, and maybe he starts out on special teams maybe he's a return guy because he's extremely fleet of foot but that's a guy that I think a lot of people are just kind of sleeping on right now that I think you know, maybe a year or two years from now you're going to look back and say, man, this kid went to Southern Miss and then uh, decided to open things back up late, got a handful of Power 5 offers. But the film doesn't lie. I know he's got limited film this year, but this is a guy that's very instinctive. This is a guy that can run away from people in the open field, uh, does a great job in coverage. But uh, you know, I think you're going to see Will James be a very solid contributor to Mississippi State. And uh, the Colorado site, you know, with Deion Sanders getting in, uh, there was a lot of concern on him the last week because Colorado kind of got gained some confidence in that whole recruitment, right? Well, if Deion Sanders wants a cornerback, I do too. You know what I'm saying? It's like sure. you know when you when you get. It's like when when Les Miles was at LSU, and I've had this discussion many times with many people. If I had been the recruiting coordinator at Mississippi State. Anytime the last miles and LSU offered an offensive lineman, I would have offered immediately. I wouldn't watch a tape or anything because last miles and LSU during that stretch put together the best offensive lines in the country, and it really wasn't close. Left is a guy obviously that played at Michigan, played offensive line. He knew the position, knew how to evaluate guys. So I would have absolutely just followed him around and just piggybacked off his efforts. And then 
second leftovers and put together an absolutely outstanding offensive line. I kind of see Deion Sanders the same way. I know Deion is a little bit more about the flash, but nobody in our generation has done better as a cornerback than Deion Sanders. And then you look at the job that he did at Jackson State, and so I think it just kind of validates Mississippi State's you know evaluation of the kid that you know, Deion wanted him. And um, you know I, I feel good about the get, but also I know Colorado wanted him to prolong the process. I was told uh, I guess it was on. Uh, Monday, that you know, he just wasn't going to go that far away from home, but he wanted to play in the South. And that's one of the reasons he committed to Southern Miss early, and then he saw his recruitment, the trajectory of things kind of change. But uh, he did take the official visit to Indiana, and I think in some ways that may have eliminated both Indiana and Colorado just being that far away from home. And so when State got serious about him and decided to offer him over the weekend, I think it was pretty much a done deal. What What is your takeaway from Kevin Barbet? I know it's early. He hadn't even coached a practice. But it's what I get asked more about, I think, than anything else. Because Zach Arnett and Matt Brock have already been in Starble. And they've worked together. And Brock got promoted and all that. And Zach will be over his shoulder. And, and so people, I think, understand what that could look like. On the offensive side yeah. of the football, what do you think? Well, I, I think Zach provided a little clarity yesterday. Like one of the questions that I asked him, you know, was you know, basically about retooling the offense. And he goes from a passing game standpoint, it's going to mirror exactly what we've done. We're just going to run the football a lot more, you know. And uh, I, I think probably the money quote and all of that is when he asked Kevin Barbet what his offensive philosophy was going to be. He goes, well, who are my best 11 football players? Because it's once we identify that, who are our most explosive guys? Who creates the most you know, anxiety for a defense? Once we've established who those 11 are, then we'll formulate a plan. And I think that's one of the things, you know, maybe over the course of the last few years, um, that Mississippi State has been somewhat rigid in that respect, uh, that you didn't really build the scheme around the players. You kind of you know, made the players run your scheme. Uh, and I think Barbe is a little more innovative. And you look in, in year one at Appalachian State, I mean, he completely turned that offense around. And not that State needs to, quote, turn it around, but State needs to be a little more multiple and be a little more productive, um, especially against elite defenses. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to just play pitch and catch all the time, play 7-on-7 seven seven against Alabama. you got to keep them honest. And I think that's what the element that Barbe brings is that he will truly take what the defense is going to give him and you won't have these games where you have 17, 18 passes in a row. I, I think you're going to see a lot more play action pass, and I think you're going to see a lot more down the field strikes. And uh, I like everything that I've heard so far, and I know the kids are excited about kind of getting in spring and getting to work on this, but there will be some carryover in, from the air raid to this offense, you know, from a terminology standpoint, a philosophical standpoint, certainly in the passing game. Uh, but I, I, again, you're going to get behind whoever they hire, but he's been awfully impressive so far. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. 
If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Do you want to do two minutes on baseball or is it too early? I'm always ready to talk college baseball. Okay, I want to lay this out to you. Last year, obviously, was a devastating and disappointing year for the Mississippi State baseball program. And regardless of injuries or, or the sun shining this way or the rain you know, pouring down, you can't do that uh, at MSU. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on the staff and the program this year. I don't mean Lamonis is on the hot seat. They weren't ranked in the preseason top 25 by D1. That could mean something. It may not. I've had people that are very close to the deal, just like you are, that believe that they are a, a road regional team as about a three seed and that it could get real dicey, that they're still not convinced they have enough on the mound. Having said that, you tell me, and I know it's early, about this Mississippi State Baseball Club for 2023. Well, I think Mississippi State is a top 25 team. That said, I wouldn't rank them in the top 25 because they don't deserve it at this point. I mean, you know, you're basically – basing this off projections. If you look at what everybody did last year, what they have coming back off last year, there's no way you rank State in the top 25. And I don't think they deserve it. I mean, goodness gracious, that absolute collapse down the stretch last year. you got to get out there and prove it. The State has a very, uh, you know, uh, let's say competitive in many respects, non-conference schedule. You know, they go to Fort Worth. And of course, you got Arizona State coming in. I know that the Sun Devils weren't great last year, but that's a Power 5 program that's won national championships. And so, it'd be nice to get those guys to do. But, you know, you, you can't discount the injuries, but, you know, State, in many respects, kind of had a lack of leadership last year. I think some guys kind of kind of tried to live off 2021 and worried more about their draft stock than they did the team. And um, down the stretch, I thought some of the guys kind of, you know, kind of shut down a little bit, you know, started getting a little bit self-centered. It's like, it's not going anywhere. So, uh, you know, I got to start thinking about me and my own future. And uh, that's not to pass out an indictment. Some of that's human nature, but, you know, then you go out and you get Colton Ledbetter, who led Stanford in nearly every statistical category. You get Connor Isaac from VCU that uh, was an absolute monster in what is considered one of the biggest ballparks in all college baseball. And he still had a dozen home runs, had a ton of doubles that would have been home runs at Duty Noble. And goodness, if he had gone to LSU, he might have broke Brandon Larson's record, that softball cracker jack park they got down there. But um, you know, State's going to have some pieces, but it is going to boil down to pitching. And you know, you know, talking to people around the program, they're optimistic after the fall. They've got some pieces. And that was the thing last year. I even asked John Cohen, I said, how does Mississippi State, Mississippi State baseball, get in a situation that we're so thin at pitching? And you could say, well, you know, you had a handful of injuries. Well, yeah, but down, down the depth chart, why don't you have some guys that are ready to compete? And while they may be a little bit unproven and green, they've got natural talent. And it just seemed like we, the recruiting misses on the pitching side of things kind of came home to roost last year when you had to have them. But you go out and you get Landon Gartman from Memphis, and you go out and bring in Nate Dome and Aaron Nixon. So they had some needs. They've addressed them. Uh, I'm optimistic about the team. I, I do think this is a road team. I do think they're a two, though. I, I don't think they're a three. I don't think I don't think Mississippi State is going to be a team that has to sweat out the tournament. Uh, hmm. I do think State will have to work exceptionally hard and have some great pitching to make it to a Super Regional. But I do think Mississippi State is in the postseason this year. I got one minute. Where does where – does, give me the – Give me the starting rotation, and then also tell me about Gerangelo in 60 seconds. Gerangelo, sorry. That's, that's, 
Yeah, it's a great thing. You know, uh, I think the only thing you know for sure is Kate Smith's going to be a starter. He's probably your Friday night guy. I think the Nets in the mix, and uh, you know how healthy he is. He's only started six games, and he's played some in the bullpen. I think he probably starts out of the pen. I do think Landon Gartman from Memphis ultimately wins the job on the weekend. I mean, this is a guy that was the you know one of the top pitchers in the AAC, and he was on a losing program. You know, that, that's difficult to do. Top pitcher in the in the conference is on a losing team, and so. And he, and he no-hit state for, what, four or five innings? We went up there and played. And so uh, that, that's an aspect of things I think you kind of figure out. And I think that okay. third starter thing is probably something that will take a couple weeks to figure out. But um, I like the pieces, and I think the bullpen's the main thing that you've got to, got to kind of settle what those roles are going to be. But Steve, the guys we'll follow there. up next week. So, we appreciate it. Uh, 247 Sports, Gene's Page, hour number three coming up on the Out of Bounds Show.